So one of the things that I have definitely been reflecting on is how I constantly do things in my life that center joy and possibility because these things are what help me combat trauma, anxiety, and loneliness. But losing my mother in what was already a really hard year made it even clearer to me how so many of the things that bring me joy um, are often tied to labor, work, and seeking legitimacy. And I'm learning that this is just not sustainable, not anymore, especially in crisis and in grief when your body just cannot work. To another episode of Black Matter Podcast. Um, I think this is going to be a kind of bonus episode of season two. Um, I definitely have been on a little bit of a hiatus uh, break. Um, and today I have a very special guest with me who is going to um, help me get into a lot of the things that have been going on in my life and things I've been processing. And so I am super, super um, grateful to just get started with tonight's episode and i hope that everyone that is listening it's a trigger warning that we're going to be talking about uh grief um and just some of the things that we've been dealing with this past year i think i um am not alone that a lot of people have been going through just lots of different traumatic and difficult and crazy transitions during this pandemic year um so before we get into all that i want to do the Proper introduction to my very special guest, um, Mrs. Jackie Lawrence. Um, so tell us a little bit about you and, um, you know, take it away. Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, as Jess said, Lawrence, um, I am a social worker by trade. I do like to use the term light worker uh, just because I understand that I am filled with light. And I like to wield it good <laughs> um i'm also a mother a new wife um in a couple of months congrats congrats to black love and my daughter will be two and new mother yes. motherhood yes um so you got a lot of transitions going on too or have yeah, just recently had a lot of transitions um also you know you did say it's been a year it's interesting that if it feels like a year the pandemic but really it's been almost I know that's a typo that I don't want to admit. (laughs) No, no, but I like that you said that. There's a reason because a lot of people, including myself, it feels like one long year. Mm -hmm. So there's a reason that you probably said year Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like. Um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, and you know, Jackie and I have been uh, friends for a while, and we came together through the wonderful space of Six Points Innovation Center. And Jackie is the um. Former site director, social worker on staff, house mother, <laughs> <laughs> leading lady of that program. And, um, you know, I learned a lot working with you. And I feel like when I think about my experience in Richmond in terms of working with youth and nonprofits um, and, you know, being kind of um, housed at Six Pick throughout my grad school experience, I think that we really just had like a family at mm-hmm. Six Pick that... Um, will last forever, yeah. even though many of us are moving on and doing different things. Uh, and even the youth that we started I working know, with are all like, like grown. they're grown. So, you know, shout out to all the transitions. But, you know, it's always good to just remember where it all started. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that um, we started out with a working relationship, but definitely, you know, have remained friends. And um, I really enjoy talking to you about some of the deep things in life. And so that was why I invited you on to um, tonight's episode, which I think I'm going to be calling Grieve With Me. Okay. Okay. It's a working title. Yeah, it's okay. You know, I'm ready to hop in. I guess I just put my seatbelt on. <laughs> no, we, yeah, we may change the title, but that's, that's what, I'm, what I'm thinking about um, for now. And, um, you know, I, for me, I think, uh, obviously, tonight's episode is going to be a little bit hard for me, but I do think that a part of 
Black joy, which I try to always center in my work as a part of my practice, is, you know, being transparent and being honest about the things that we uh, experience in our everyday life, which I think makes choosing joy Mm -hmm. such a very, you know, critical decision in our lives. And I feel like for me, this podcast and the the work that this podcast is connected to has brought me a lot of joy and has been kind of like an outlet for Mm -hmm. me in terms of like centering joy and pleasure and happiness and just like kikis and fun with friends but it doesn't feel um authentic to who i am to not bring like where i am in my current life um onto the show as well mm-hmm. you know um and that's just a part of you know i think the the luxury that some of us have and that some of us discover either early or later in our careers that um your work can you know inform or your life can inform mm-hmm. your work yeah you know and that's something that i feel like i've definitely tried to do and, and if it's like Sorry to me. Mm-hmm. No, but it's like if we don't bring our authenticity, then it's like whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I was reading this book by um, Bill Hook called Sisters of the End. She was pretty that We need to bring, like, not bringing your authentic emotions to your work is really, it's not the way that we normally go about, like, as a people, like, we're taught to separate personal and professional mm-hmm. if you think about a lot of like really like you just said like six week was like a family mm-hmm. so it it was effective because it you know that that family vibe like people are going through stuff not saying that everybody knew you know everybody's personal life mm-hmm. but people didn't like separate it if somebody was having a shitty day it's like, okay you're having a shitty day you know like people um yeah you know i just give me Mm-hmm. So yes, this, this episode is going to be a, a pretty deep one, but I do want to, um, you know, I think that there's, there's just moments where, you know, we got to talk about the, the real shit. Yep. And um, I, I feel like we're, we're taking a different tone with Black Matter today, but I'm also just like super excited that Jackie's on Black Matter podcast. So I think that either way, it's going to be a dope episode and um, we'll see where we go tonight, but we're going to be here <laughs> for about 40 minutes to an hour. And um I always remind people that, you know, editing is powerful. So if you say something that you <laughs> <laughs> say something that you want me to change, uh, I am happy to oh, do that. Good. Yep. Yeah. So today is um, August 2nd, uh, 2021. Oh, and um, doesn't that feel weird? It see? does. I don't want the summer to end, but happy summer to everybody out there that is um, enjoying their hot girl summer. And, um, you know, for for me. Like the summer is just like a time to to rest, to rejuvenate, to think about all the goals that you want to set for the next like nine months during your like future part of your work year. Um, and I'm actually transitioning on to a, a new job and leaving Richmond um, as my primary residence for a little while. So I just feel like I'm going through like a lot of transitions, mm-hmm. but also trying to like enjoy the summer. Yeah. You know? how's, how's the summer going for you? Um, the summer when you just said that um, in academia, you can like rest in the summer. I really wish I could get to a point where I could just rest. I'm tired as hell. Like I'm just, the summer has been fun as far as doing stuff, but I do feel like I'm always running. And then I was like, dang, it's already August. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let's go. Yeah. And I, it does feel strange this August, but I definitely have been like, um, paying more attention to dates just because of time has been a crazy construct for me right now. March 10th, my mom died and my entire world, you know, obviously without explanation, like just shifted. Um, and nothing really has been the same since. And there's just been like days where there's just been like a unbearable amount of grief, um, where sometimes the work that I do or the things that, brought me joy like before she passed away would like keep me going and then there were just sometimes where like I just could not do like anything um so it's crazy because you know when these things happen um even with me who had a I had a I've always had very complicated relationships with um family members etc as many you know queer kids do um but you're never really like prepared for losing a parent, even if you think about it or you, you know, my mom lives in Jamaica. So the distance was always something that, you know, I thought about like, like when she first left, I definitely felt like I had grieved her at that time because 
she, I was in college, we weren't really talking. And then she um, had moved to Jamaica and just like, you know, at that moment, it's like, I think I had experienced a little bit, a little bit of grief and definitely had thought about like what it would be like to lose a parent. But even as you see people aging, et cetera, or you see people sick, nothing, um, I think prepares you for this moment. Um, and I feel like it's just the grieving process has just been filled with so many unexpected, like ups and downs. And even, even when it happened on March 10th, I think I still like kind of in my mind predicted how hard this would be or like what it would, or what the experience would be like. And it has like definitely been like completely like Mm -hmm. opposite. It brings up so many things that are unexpected. Um, And so on this episode, I not only want to talk about just the experience of losing my mom in March, but also just like how me being in grief right now has made it very clear to me that I'm not as healed as I thought I was. Um, And that, you know, my anxiety and depression and the other struggles that I deal with, loneliness, et cetera, I feel like it all like pushed its way to the center of my life. Um, Even at age 33, the things I like had thought I had overcome or thought that I had healed from, I feel like um, work and the daily joys of my life, um, they like usually can combat those things. But with losing my mom, I feel like so it brought up so many other things that I was like, damn, I didn't, I, I'm going through something now where like, I feel like, like, I didn't realize I was like, not all the way healed or not as healed as I thought I was. To that, the first thing that I thought about is the fact that, especially nowadays, like on social media and everywhere, even in conversations, people throw the word healing around. Mm -hmm. And I mean, people have even said this to me and I'm trying to make sure I don't just toss it around. Mm -hmm. Um, But the biggest thing to know is healing is a circle. Mm. And so like those things that you just listed, you know, it's not, so I'm not saying this in the sense that you can't overcome something that used to keep you like all the way down. Mm-hmm. But we have to, in my opinion, we don't have to to think we're going to be healed from something all the time, right? Like, for example, like there could be like a physical, you know, a physical disease that someone may have and, you know, maybe it's not in their body anymore. It's gone. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to mental health, I think, you know, we have to sometimes be okay with knowing that maybe it's kind of always like lingering in the background, Mm -hmm. but we have the tools to address it and not let it win. And I'm not saying that no one can ever like totally like get over, you know, depression or et cetera. That could be somebody's truth, but it doesn't have to be everybody's truth that you're going to be done with anxiety. You know, done with depression, like, and this is something that my th- my therapist actually told me. Um, she was like, "Hey, you know, you've, and sometimes what we do is we push those to the back because we like try to avoid them, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, I feel better. You're not a thing. You know, I'm good. And then something happens, and it's like, boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think by understanding that, you know, that healing is a circle, Mm -hmm. then we won't have to be, not saying you are, but we don't have to be so upset with ourselves if if that feeling does come back around. Yeah, I feel that. I think me being in Richmond plays a big role in this as well, because just like a little bit of backstory, I feel like most folks that are listening know my backstory, but I, you know, I moved to Richmond and really like found myself. I really found a home here in ways that I didn't feel um, as a child in Connecticut. Um, And so I think I've always had this like, distance from my biological family and then i think losing my mom in this place where oh, i have yeah. like found healing mm. and i've like found peace and i've like found myself and i've kind of lived in my authentic truth in richmond and then like having that kind of a trauma happen here i think it reiterated to me that like richmond has been this like safe haven for you um but at the same time just because you've like found yourself in a physical space doesn't mean that all of the things that are outside of Richmond that lie in Connecticut, that lie in Jamaica, that lie within my mom and my, and my relationship, which we were at a actually really beautiful point in our relationship when she passed. So even like that played a role into how unbearable the grief was because it was just so surprising yeah. um, that it had happened. I think it had brought up or made it clear to me that um, Richmond has been a place where one, you have healed from your traumas and overcome some things, 
But also Richmond has been a place where you have like kind of hidden from your mm-hmm. traumas in your childhood and dealing with certain types of things. You know, me living in Richmond, she living in Jamaica and the rest of my family living in Connecticut. It has made me and my childhood traumas and my um, broken family relationships, the ones that are broken still, it's made me deal with them when I want to deal with them. Yeah. It's made me um, work on healing and fixing them and, you know, trying to figure things out when I want to do it mm-hmm. and vice versa in many ways. Yeah. Um, and so I think it just like, I think the grief just brought up like so much shit and it made me, it took me back to like who I was, I think before mm-hmm. I came to Richmond. Ooh, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I'll share something similar to that with myself. So mm-hmm. I, before we got on the podcast, I was sharing about my dad passing. And um, it's it's interesting because for years I was like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Like I, the first couple of years were like rough. And then there were like the middle, like my dad's been gone for like 10 years. Now it'll be 11 years at the end of November. So the first couple of years obviously was very rough. And then in the middle, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Like better, like I'm super joyful. Yes, I'm alive. And then it's um it's interesting how when you run from it, it's gonna come back and pop out like mm-hmm. like I y'all can't see my face. <laughs> but it's gonna um it's gonna pop out and yeah, I mean that's when people talk about that unresolved. Like you might have left, like I left Virginia Beach, mm-hmm. but did you really like address it? Or mm-hmm. did you just go somewhere and go to this cool And find scene? go somewhere and find find <laughs> right. find joy, you know? Yeah. And I will say that at the time, there was nothing wrong with that, right? Like, there was nothing mm-hmm. wrong with doing that. Yeah, because I, you I received that. that. You deserved to go somewhere and just lift your wings up and just live your life. Like, you deserve to. And those are the tools that I had at that time. You know, exactly. like, growing up in the closet, having a, you know, um, my mother and I had a, a really bad relationship when I was in high school. Um, and my femininity played a big roll into that. And so for me, I never really saw college as like, oh, I'm going to become a career scholar. It was like, it was a way to get out. Yeah. Um, and so I think um, it gave me this type of agency where I, even though she was my mom and same thing with my father, even though they're my parents, because I was so confident about like using college as like a way to leave and never look back. And then like, you know, found my independence and really took care of myself and took that care on quite early in my life like i left home when i was 17 and lived in my sister's basement worked for jobs that whole thing um and i think because i had so much confidence like i can take care of myself i don't need them you know they're gonna have to accept me in order to have access to me etc mm-hmm. etc et it kind of made me like in charge of the relationships meaning mm-hmm. like my communication with my mom often was like by by me initiating it i was able mm-hmm. to kind of keep a certain distance and not talk to her about partners and those kinds of things um and that was like the earlier years of college um or earlier years of graduating college and then i would say within the past like year or two or maybe two years actually she really was just like my annoying mother right like i had just kind of come to a point especially because i write a lot about her in my um in my work i mean the previous episode to this one is about my mom um and about like me extracting like joys from some of my experiences with her and, you know, using my scholarship, my work to see that there was something else there, that it wasn't all trauma. It wasn't all dysfunction, et cetera. And so I think I was really finding ways to just like see her as my mother and not Mm -hmm. see her as someone that like is a disappointment for the things that she wasn't able to do as a mom, but to Mm -hmm. see the joys and the things that she was able to do and the things that she did teach me and instill in me. And so we really were just having like casual kikis, like what you cooking tonight? What are you doing with your hair? Like for the past like year or two, that really has been our relationship. And so it just came at a time where I was like, as you said about healing being a circle, it came at a time where within our circle, we were at like a very chill, yeah, like a nice hierarchy. And so it was just like, it was so sudden. You know, I want it to be on the record that I appreciate the conversations that we've had and how you've reached out and how we've just been able to process stuff. even before I knew that we both have lost parents. But I always tell people when I talk about it that I did, exp- I did experience a lot of sadness and definitely had a lot of just days on the floor. But also, mm-hmm. like, um, and this, this conversation is going to go everywhere because we, we are intersectional <laughs> people. But it has brought up, like, yeah. issues of kind of, like, a type of masculinity issue in me where, I, mm-hmm. where there are parts of my masculinity that I'm like, I'm not like that. I'm not one of those niggas. But, like, mm-hmm. it has made me 
question even that because I thought it was. I'll say that like I've experienced um a lot of like anger mm. um more than the sadness and a lot of rage in terms of like you know just mad that it happened at this time but then also like you know this is the first time in a long time where I can't like use my work or my podcast mm, you can't, yeah. or my um my dog or um you know traveling I can't use those things to create an illusion that I am healed or an illusion that I'm over what happened to me as a child, or I can't use those things to combat it or cope with it. And so I think um, losing my mom at this point in my life has kind of made me question how I have worked on healing in the past. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I do, I think a larger reflection, um, of this year is just like, even with the pandemic and with me dealing with grief, I'm recognizing that I don't want to be someone, um, you know, that uses work to kind of, you know, uh, not deal with the other stuff. Yeah. I've just gotten to that point. And it, um, and it's crazy how even you doing all that, like the first couple of years, you don't realize you're doing that, mm -hmm. but I bet you like deep down, you kind of knew you were doing that. like even, or I'll say, but mm -hmm. I'm guessing like, like deep, deep, deep down, like your subconscious knew that you were doing that. Um, and I will say this year, my aunt, she's like the mother of our family. Mm -hmm. um, on my mom's side, my grandmother passed, so I never got a chance to meet. So my aunt is like, she's like the girl. Mm -hmm. So like one night I came in there, she sat me on the bed and my um. My daughter was staying at my mom's house. It was like her first time being away from me in like almost two years. So I came in. I was like, yeah, auntie, I want to stay night at your house so she can like get used to me not being there at night. And she just looked at me and she was like, in so many words, when are you going to take care of yourself? I was like, <gasps> and it, she was like, you haven't taken care of yourself since your dad passed. Mm. And I was like, and I wasn't even coming over there for that, you know? Um, and it's funny that we don't realize that we're running, 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 mm -hmm. doing all this stuff, but there's people around us that see it. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, you're like accolade here, new job here. Remember we talked about like that climbing, like you're always trying to climb. Mm -hmm. Um, a part of that is, you know, cause we're just nerdy. We like nerdy stuff. Right. When you were talking about like, how have you been coping? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I've heard a lot, you know, a lot of black women will dive into education um, mm -hmm. because that's like the one thing, you know, we, I know I'm in control of that paper. I got to turn in. Mm -hmm. Like I'm in control of that. And it's like when something tragic happens and it's like all of a sudden, it's not that it doesn't mean anything, but you know that that crutch isn't strong enough to hold you mm -hmm. when something bad happened. Mm -hmm. And um you just got to face yourself. It's got to like, you just have to. And I know, I know I mentioned, you know, that we have to kind of like not accept that there are these like anxiety and things are like lingering around you, but I'll like kind of follow up with saying when you don't have any other like worldly crutches, that's when you go inside because you are like so strong on the inside, like so, so powerful. Mm. And you won't know that until you're forced to tap in. You won't know. Um, and you were saying that there was a lot of like unbearable, like unbearable grief and unbearable days. But I would, I would like, or reframe that because although they felt unbearable, here you are. Mm -hmm. They were actually bearable, right? Yeah. And I, and I want to challenge them because I think that for me, a lot of the unbearable days was because I was not productive, right? Mm -hmm. And did not produce anything, was not, mm. was not uh, laborist, was not mm, working, was not see? able to take care of my dog in the best mm -hmm. way, was not able yeah. to call everybody back. And that's why I was saying mm. these issues of masculinity where it's like, you don't yeah. feel, I think a lot of, you know, as men, we're socialized to not feel worthy. Yeah, unless you're doing, doing Unless you're doing, doing, doing. And I think while I love Richmond and have really found a home here, a lot of my life in Richmond has been doing, 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 doing. doing, doing. doing. And yep. when this happened, it's like, you know, my mother has always been a uh, dysfunctional character in my life. 
And even in her passing, it has given me this kind of mirror around like, you know, you say that you don't want to be the type of man that like your worth is tied to just doing, doing, doing. But there are times where like, you know, even the week of the funeral, I was feeling like, wow, I didn't do anything productive Mm -hmm. today. Like I, you know, don't feel like myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, that's the part that I want to come out of this Mm -hmm. and challenge. And I think I was reflecting on that. Um, prior to yeah. the, her passing and just in the pandemic in general. But from finishing grad school in 2020, I have honestly, mm-hmm. like, I've been extremely burned out. Um, I've been extremely exhausted. I've been, yes, doing a lot of great work and dope projects and all these kinds of things, but I've definitely been struggling with burnout. Mm-hmm. And I think I was um, not being honest about how burned out I am. Um, and then when she passed, it just was like, Did you? Yeah, yeah, it was just like, I can't take anymore. And I definitely don't want to go back to whatever my life is and who I am now with my mom being gone. I don't want to go back to whatever that is, you know, with this like dishonesty about Mm. like, I'm exhausted, but I still want to be loved. I'm exhausted and don't have anything to give, but I still want my friends to, 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 to be with me. You know, like I found that, um, my therapist had told me that I'm not as clear or good about asking for help as I think I am. Um, Meaning like, you know, there are times where I think I really just like wanted someone to just come over and just sit on the couch with me and not Mm -hmm. do anything. But really because I'm, I'm surrounded by like, Jackie Lawrence is like I'm surrounded by yeah, you, you hang out with some boss ass people that's the thing and the thing about all that tired as fuck. yeah <laughs> the thing about being surrounded or being in community with people who yeah. are boss ass people who are productive who are booked and busy right like all mm-hmm. that needs to be critiqued the booked and busy thing because it's like I felt it was challenging to really reach out for the kind of help that I needed because yeah, the folks like that yeah you I remember you sharing this with me I remember the folks that. that like could help me and this is not a dig at them because I'm you know, mm-hmm. I, vice versa, like the folks that I really felt could help me, I felt were also like extremely busy. And so it was really hard to be like, you want to uh, be like, you know, ask. Yeah. Or it was hard to be like, I'm having trouble getting off the living room floor today. And then somebody being like, well, felt this doodle poll and let's pick a date that we can meet. And it's like, <laughs> how do I reiterate? Like, I need, literally, um, I need someone right it now. It took me a lot to even find my phone. To even Exactly. Like. Yeah, and so it's definitely not a dig mm-hmm. at any of my friendships or relationships. Not it's it's just it's a reflection about like mm-hmm. I think when you are the scholar, the artist, the working in the nonprofits, like when you're booked and busy, like all Ooh, of that. This is um, a yeah. good little section of this conversation. You're meeting your friends for museum openings and and monthly happy hours and those kinds of things. That kind of booked and busy lifestyle can be very sustainable. But then when you're going through crisis or going through severe Mm. trauma, it's not sustainable because you can't um, show up to those spaces to get what you need. Mm. Right. Like I like six pick, for example, is a youth space. It would be not comfortable for me to show up at six pick how I was a few months ago. Mm. Um, But there are people who work with us at six pick where I could you, for example, at the time where I could have you know, reach out to you individually and been Mm -hmm. like, I really need Mm -hmm. support. Um, But, you know, it's, it's just giving me, the whole thing has just been giving me a lot of reflection. And I I do feel like um, in addition Mm -hmm. to losing my mom during a pandemic, I was not being fully honest with myself about how burned out, how burned out I was before it happened. And I feel Mm -hmm. like my mom kind of, you know, is giving me this mirror around like, you know, if she wanted anything, she wanted her kids to be good and like made a lot of sacrifices, including, you know, disregarding the law to make sure that we were good. And I just feel a type of guilt of like, how could I, you know, be who I am, all this like professional success and still not Mm. be like fully taking care of myself. See, the last part I'll say about that is like, it's not to tote accolades. It's to say that like, I made it so much further than 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 the people who raised me mm-hmm. in terms of their dreams and yeah. them really instilling. Um, I think my mother put so much into my sister and I to have more than she did. I think that generation, there's just like, they yeah. live for their children. Yeah, absolutely. And so there is a type of like um, guilt or anger yeah. that I feel around like, how can I have so much more access to tools than she did and still be sitting here being dishonest about being burned out or you being- You know why though? The system. Yeah. Like, period. Like, the way this country is set up, 
and I don't, I'm going to speak about America. Mm-hmm. I don't know details of other countries and other cultures to speak on it. But for here, the concept of your value is related to productivity mm-hmm. is uh, the society that we live in. Mm-hmm. Like for people to like, there's literally an organization called the nap ministry mm-hmm. to encourage people to rest. The fact that we have to have that <laughs> just tells you like, so we have this guilt, like, you know, if you can't take a call at a certain <coughs> time or if you need to, you know, if you need to call out of work or something, there is this underlying feeling of like, oh, like I shouldn't do it. I should just keep going, going, going. Mm-hmm. But what I realize is when you really like speak with your coworkers, everybody is tired. And going through something. And if you are very like this is um, what I mentioned earlier. I think we were doing a test, but I mentioned um, about the authentic emotions. Mm-hmm. If we're all more authentic with our emotions, I think we all would get a lot more rest. Like yeah. we just gotta keep pushing back, push back, push back, like reject, reject, reject this go go mentality. My friend was in um Peace Corps and I can't remember what country she was, but it was an African country. And um was it Benin? I can't remember. But she said she was over there for a few years. Um, and when she came back to America, she literally had culture shock. So like mm-hmm. over there, she would go out to eat and it would take like an hour or so for the food to come because it's more about mm-hmm. we're going to be together mm-hmm. and talk and laugh. And then our food's going to come. And we don't have time for that. We black people. We're like, we're where is busy. the food? Yeah. Like we expect the food to be here. We're going to go to the restaurant for, restaurant for an hour. Mm-hmm. We're scheduling a lunch break in the middle of the day. You get two 15s and a 30. If that, mm-hmm. most of us are having a working lunch, right? Mm-hmm. Do you really take your 15-minute break? If you do, you're behind. It's just like, even saying all of that is stressing me out, even right now. <laughs> so it's like, all of that, that's what you're saying, is because society doesn't let you. So we just got to keep pushing back. We just have to make it more normal, you know, for us to be like, look, I'm tired. I need to take a break. Like, and most people understand. Like, I can't speak for everybody's type of jobs mm-hmm. that might be listening to this. You know, we work more in the human services field. So, yeah. Um, I'm moving to like the medical field space, and I, I see the difference. I see like, you know, some some folks in that field are more like go 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 because the nature of the work, right? Like, it's it's medicine. Um. But even even still, we have to find those times to rest and make it normal as a society because it really does it really doesn't make sense and it's false. It's like this fake, this fake productivity. Like, like your worth. It's not like a baby is born in the world, walking up and down the hallway. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, babies sleep for hours right when they're first born. You know and. It's all of that, all of those feelings on, you know, feeling guilty about being able to rest. All of that is the way that this system is. And when you talk about the system, the reason why I said this is an intersectional conversation is because one facet of my identity, like we black, right? So we are in many ways conditioned to prove our worth by being so productive, by being, you know, the best black woman in the world. Like you were superwoman at six pick, right? So like. All of that is sustainable because we're black and we're excellent and we, you know, can do all things. And we can. And that's we the can. crazy thing. Yeah, that's the like, can. We can do this. And the thing is, like, all of that is, quote unquote, sustainable. And I've been surrounded by people like you and I um, throughout my time in Richmond. But then when major crisis or trauma like this yes, hits, this is such you crisis. feel incredibly, um, you feel like an outsider. Because I feel yeah. like I can't, even right now, it's like, I feel like I cannot keep up. Um, anymore right and maybe i'm not as interested because i've just lost my mother it's a pandemic year i don't care about you know being quote-unquote successful dr Chaz right now but i do feel like with a lot of my social circles and my professional circles like i feel like i cannot keep up and i feel like that's why i um canceled a lot of things or avoided a lot of interactions um when this when i first lost my mom even on the days where i did feel like i could be out is because i just Mm. was like damn the life that i was living it was all centered around like Labor. works and projects. And mm-hmm. think about it. Like if you ask people like, hey, how are you doing? What do people always say? I'm fine. They say they're fine. And then they go on to start talking about work. Yeah. Like it's true. never like, oh, what's going on in your house? Like, what have you been up to? Yeah. Even when I came over here today, like I said a little bit about family, but then I started talking about work. Yeah, it's just like it's sure. always. 
it's just always. So that's that's definitely a, a part of, of where I've been. Let's take a, a little bit of, of a break. So I had said in the God, earlier, I, cry. <laughs> I had said earlier in the episode that, you know, this is going to be an intersectional um, conversation. And I think to ground some of the stuff that I've been processing, I have recently just watched um, a few clips of um, Alok, who is one of my favorite poets, artists, uh, spoken word poet, um, who just, you know, is circulating right now on all social medias for this podcast that they um, have recently done. And I'm going to share the clip in this um, episode for folks to follow um a look v and um you know if you don't know them you better know now after this episode um but they had talked a lot about um you know needing to be the best and to be successful while queer right and how our our success and our um our dopeness and our brilliance um as black queer folks in particular is often a part of our like response to trauma it's a part of um, our humanity as it is not being seen um, sometimes by the people who raise us. And so this kind of like, you know, level of success that so many black queer folks achieve is often a response to how we are undervalued, invisible in a world that is not set up to see our full humanity. Um, and so this had really connected to a lot of what I've been going through in terms of losing my mom, because I think a lot of what I just said kind of all um, came, came forward. Like it all kind of tumbled down for me and the things that I cared about or suddenly had evaluated myself by, I just no longer care about. So liberating, right? It's liberating. Um, and at the same time, it's like, it, it's, it's world shifting. Right. Mm -hmm. For a person who thought they had already kind of like shifted. Mm, yeah. Many shifts. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, the focus of this episode as we are halfway in um, <laughs> is that I, I think I constantly do things in my life that center joy and possibility because these are my ways to kind of help myself kind of combat trauma, anxiety, loneliness and the things that I struggle with. But losing my mother in what has already been a really hard, hard year, I think it became even more clear to me how so many of these things that bring me joy um, are tied to labor, are tied to my work, and are tied to me seeking legitimacy. Can I add one thing that I think they're tied to, tied mm -hmm. to that mm -hmm. you actually just said, but I'm not sure mm -hmm. um, if you meant it, meant it in this way. So you said that you like doing joyful things because they help you combat like anxiety, et cetera. Loneliness. Uh, yeah. Right. Exactly. So. What I want to try to have all of us do more of is try to let those things be like exclusive of each other. Mm -hmm. Like That's I'm not I'm going to just turn yeah. up because I feel like, like regardless of like, cause a lot of times, and this, again, I'll use myself a lot of times, like if I'm doing something fun in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I should be doing this. Mm -hmm. Like, no, Jackie. You're going to let yourself have fun because you deserve it for all these reasons. Yes. And it's like, I don't have to create this list for why I should have a good time right now. Like, I should be able to have a good time simply because I am having a good time, not because I'm trying to combat anything. That's why I think I had, I had wrote in my journal before you had come over that I think a lot of this is tied to kind of like the seeking of legitimacy. Mm, um, yeah. like, And yeah. I think I'm, I'm learning, too, that... Um, those things are not sustainable because when you're in serious crisis mode and grief, um, your body simply cannot work, right? And so that's why I think I'm reflecting deeply with you about how some of the, the dreams that I have or the things that I think about that bring me joy, I want to be challenged to make sure that I'm not just dreaming about labor mm -hmm. and that I'm not just tying my future to productivity or my yeah. worth to being laborious because 
I, I want to go back to even like the, the week of my mom's funeral. I was feeling this sense of like unworthiness because it was like the one week in a long time that I was not doing, not doing, you know, and then mm-hmm. there have been days I would say, you know, sometimes it's a whole week, sometimes it's a few days, sometimes it's an hour in the, in the 24 hour day, like where I just cannot do anything. Isn't it? In a kind of weird, twisted way, how beautiful it is that the body knows that it needs to just stop. Mm-hmm. When you, you know, experience grief like this, you, you, I physically could not do that. That, mm-hmm. that survival technique that Alok talks about was not working for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And it has been working for me for the past Dang. 15 years. It's crazy. And it's, I will say, again, I'm going to speak from my experience about losing someone very close to you. It took me years to say what I'm going to say. Okay. Some people would say that it sounds like dark and twisted. No, I'll put a transition beat right here. (laughs) Okay. For me, I realized a couple of years after my dad passed that there was this deep purpose about why, you know, God, God, decided that everything you know and we can go in like i don't know if we want to go in details about Mm -hmm. my my opinion of god but i just always told myself like if my dad's gonna go out like this or went out like this i'm not gonna let his death like be in vain it's like i might as well just like kind of turn up um and so the reason i said it, it could sound like dark and twisted to some people is because you know how you just said that it took you 15 years to realize that your worth was being tied to productivity? Mm-hmm. It took your mom passing to like mm. jump so. in the face and say, hey, what the hell are you doing? Right? And it's like, um, that is, in a weird way, the beauty of something so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like something so, so terrible that happened to you. You, there's get, a, you like, get a chance. There's a little piece of beauty that. And you have to ask yourself, like, if that didn't happen, maybe it would have took you another 10 years, mm-hmm. right, to realize that. You don't know. I mean, I see it as, like, a part of her leaving a type of a legacy for me. And didn't you say she was kind of like this Oh yeah, fun, like, I'm going to live <laughs> my life? Definitely lived, lived in the moment and, you know, was everybody's friend and, you know, definitely put joy at the center of her children's yeah. life and her life, even in ways that I think that she uh, didn't recognize um and i really was you know getting at a place in my life where i was starting to kind of like talk about that and so i do feel like she has left me this kind of challenge and i i'm very spiritual and definitely believe that you know people leave their body physically but that they're still in your life um i definitely have just been seeing her throughout so many um really like clear signs um since she has passed so i'm definitely a believer of, of the of the spirit and um i think that you know Joy has become a part of my weapon that I bring to battle in this in this life. And I really am resonating with what you're saying about, you know, letting it be something that is exclusive and not letting mm-hmm. not having to justify in my body why yeah. I am doing something that is not tied um, to labor. And I think I. Um, of course, everybody deals with loss and grief very different, but I think where the like the intersectionality had come in or the recognition of how this was tying to my identity is because like, I think I always thought that I was not one of those kinds of men, right? Like Mm -hmm. not someone, excuse me, that like it took my mom passing for me to realize that I need to make like some drastic shifts in my life because I have done so much work Mm -hmm. on myself. Um, But it did, you know, Mm -hmm. and it, there's a vulnerability in admitting that um, because I think, you know, when you, leave your leave your home to be queer and be yourself and really you know find yourself because so much of my life as a young gay kid was living repressed was was not feeling completely seen was not feeling like I could fully be myself even around mm-hmm. the people who had loved me and they were not harming me but just like they did not get it right and so i think there's this illusion when you find your chosen family and you find an alternative world or community that like you know you have done the work you've healed as as we talked about earlier but then something like this that is so tied to home, right? Losing your mother is so tied to your original home, your biological mm. family, et cetera. Um, it really does, you know, jolt the world that you have um, created. Another thing that I, you know, I have definitely reflected on too is like having a, a type of like chosen family in Richmond um, has been very like sustaining for me. 
But at the same time, like when we have chosen family or we have really great relationships with coworkers, like you, for example, like you have a family, a biological family who has issues to work on. You have a daughter, mm-hmm. right? So like we're not, we don't all have like the capacity to actually mm-hmm. like be there for each other. And so I do think like, even though it is hard work, um, this has given me a deeper like fuel or ammunition to really try to um, build something better with my biological family. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so much brokenness there. There's so much like, um, you know, just there's a lot of trauma bonds there for sure. um, As many, you know, of us could, could understand, but at the same time, very similar to how I was reflecting on my mom's relationship in one of the previous episodes, there is joy there too. And, and it's worth, um, you know, pursuing new relationships with not trying to mm-hmm. heal the ones that yeah, just have been broken start for something new yeah to start something new um and so oh, this whole oh, process has just been like as i said like nothing like i've expected um and i know pain as i have you know i've talked about a lot um but i think because i had such a complicated relationship with my mother um and we did have a you know a past of just ups and downs but we were on this space of like kind of healing and just having like a very boring mother and son relationship. Um, I was really finding ways to, to see her more. And so for her to, to go suddenly, I um, really think that it's just, it's just, um, it's just not about work right now, you know, and it's about me really trying to have these types of conversations with myself and with people that I care about to make sure that I come out of this, this depression, this grief, um, this trauma, because grief is a form of trauma make sure that I come out of this not repeating patterns. Mm, that's a biggie. Oh, I know. Yes. That's why I brought Jackie Lawrence on the show to come talk mm. about these things. Cause you know, it's, it's all, um, it's all Those rough. Patterns. I commend everybody, everybody black that has found ways, whether it's leaving to go to college, whether it's, it's, yeah. you know, creating your own family, whether it's getting that dream job, whether it's, you know, starting your business, whatever it is, I commend everybody black for the ways that we have like found healing or found um, access to ourselves in more healthy ways. Right. I commend all of us for that. And also I, I know that I'm going through a space where I'm just trying to reevaluate some things. I just think that's so important. I think that is so beautiful because especially in a pandemic, um, I always talk about like having spiritual eyes and if people can really see there's a shift in the world in general. Yes. Yeah. And it's like people listening, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I would ask you to just take a few moments and just be with yourself and mm. just really try to like sit with yourself because there's a shift that has totally happened. And so for you to be having this breakthrough now. I think I did tell you this. Yeah, we talked about it. Is extremely huge. Like it's anybody going through a transition right now is there's something like I can't put my finger on it, but it's there's something there. Yeah. And I really feel like our community especially is relentless on healing. Like if you really step back and look around, like people are eating healthier, like People, despite, yes, there's been like, you know, an increase in violence and all of that, but a lot of that is tied to when you rip the bandaid off, sometimes it's going to be a little bit of, you know, um, like labor pains Some labor pains are going to be happening. But I just, I can see us soon getting back to that, that village mentality where yes. we aren't running around so much to where we don't have a time to stop. Or caring so much about the individual self. Caring so much about the individual. Like, we're getting back to that collectiveness, um, that wholeness, like, slowing down. Even even the younger generation, they're more entrepreneurial, right? Like, they're like, I'm about to create this life. And, you know, we're taking that energy from them. Like, there's And we're calling out blind spots at institutions. Yeah, we're getting it popping right now. I think that legacy of, like... I'm going to just like go to college and that's going to equal success. No, I think students, it's over. yeah, students are calling out institutions are, are, you know, fixing their blind yeah. spots, et cetera. So I, you know, I just did a whole podcast series with um, black students at university of Richmond who are very, very brave and bold, but also just like, you're going to see me while I'm on this campus period. 
And, you know, I didn't have that confidence when I was in college because I think I was of that generational mentality of like, you just are happy that you're here, happy that you got this scholarship, (laughs) you know, and I think a lot of that ship is sailing. Yeah, it's Um, definitely yourself. It is. And that's why I wanted to do uh, this episode, because I think it's just nice to take a pause and talk about some of the things that that we're experiencing. We've lost a parent at very different times. Mm, Um, Yeah. And so I was just very curious to see, like, who you are now versus... (sighs) who you were, you know, when you were in my shoes, like when it was yeah. a couple months out, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was, my dad um, passed two days before I turned 17. Mm. So, like, I don't even, it's like I remember, but I was, I was like a robot slash, okay, you're you're a teenager, so you're already, like, Living life, mm-hmm. living Very life on the edge anyway. Yeah. You're already doing that. Yep. So then, um, you know, I just felt like I just was in this trance, but I didn't know I was in a trance until like a couple of years later. Um, then I went through this like weird grandma phase, but that was tied to like other stuff, not even just that past. Um, I mean, and now I'm very, okay, let me not use the word very. I'm getting more comfortable with the concept of of transition. Mm. And even me saying that, when I say that I'm getting comfortable, I'm literally at the like tippy tip, 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 pinky toe, top tip of that. Like when I've had people close to me that have people pass, I remember being very like avoidant. Mm. Like the closer the family member you are to me, it's like I'm like kind of avoided. You weren't like that with me. You were like, you were like, I'm gonna yeah. call you soon. I'm like, I gotta like yep. push myself to I understand be that. there, mm-hmm. be there for people. Um, and you know, that's I want to say something about that too. I, I know we're gonna wrap up soon, um, but that also has been really eye opening for me too. Is that, and again, I I give a disclaimer that this is not a dig to any particular friendship. It's just it's a ref, a larger reflection. Um, I am like. Chaz, you know, the mm. big personality, the social light, whatever you want to call me, but like people mm-hmm. I'm I'm usually the 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 light in the room, mm-hmm. you know. Not to to my own horror, but to too. Oh well, yeah, too. Um and it's been really interesting to see how this has impacted some of my social interactions. Like how do mm. some of my closest friendships um operate when I'm not in the driver's seat? Mm. Right? How do some of my friendships operate when I show up and just really have nothing to give? And I feel like mm. some folks in my life have leaned in closer. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like some folks have created a distance. And I think that grief is really awkward yeah, and grief is really are, hard. Like and people I, aren't sure like. People aren't sure what you need. I've, I've had people, I've had friends who have not been sure what I need and have just like, co- you know, just showed up. And mm-hmm. I've had friends that have constantly asked me what I've needed and mm-hmm. I have not been able to answer. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that creates this kind of like, well, I tried, but you know, you, and mm-hmm. it's like, so it, it really does like shift a lot of your social dynamics. And again, that's a yeah. part of my. I think yeah. being the social light is a part of my survival, my coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And so I think besides for this and experiencing um, a really traumatic breakup a few years ago, I've never really been in a position where like I have had to see that like in a lot of my social interactions, a lot of my friendships, if I'm just like quiet or, mm-hmm. or, you know, um, not showing up to make people laugh. Um, <laughs> sometimes those friendships don't feel like as you know monumental and it's just crazy to think about that but like you're making a really strong point that like even socially things like Mm -hmm. shift when you're going through grief and i can remember too like i have a friend who um lost her father and i had to really push myself to keep talking to her and checking on her because at the time i was just like you know dipping it and doing it and Mm -hmm. you know really trying to um to still be that same friend to her um is sometimes challenging but for me, I, I like if I really love you, I will totally be mm-hmm. awkward with you so I can embrace like, you know, just asking direct mm-hmm. questions, et cetera. But I recognize that not everybody is, yeah. as, is as extrovert. And mm-hmm. so it's not a dig at any particular friendships. Yeah, but I, different ways I definitely think that when this happened, I um, I did not foresee having to deal with like changing, changing friendship dynamics, you know? Yeah, I definitely lost some friends. Um, yeah, I did. I lost very close friends and all of that happened around this same time mm. so yeah i mean and sometimes I, we just yeah. don't have the tool people just don't have the tools to to deal yeah. with who you are and i was a lot like mm-hmm. when my dad passed i was like 
a lot to deal with. And for years, like I had an ex boyfriend at the time, and he couldn't he couldn't handle it. Mm. And like for like I won't say years, but like maybe a couple years because I met my husband like a little. Year. So after Shout out to him because we like him. Um, but I just didn't understand why he couldn't help me through that. But mm. it's it's like. I was expecting him to like carry more than he knew how to carry. Mm-hmm. So I eventually. I don't typically feel like an angry man. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there were parts of this process, I would say maybe a month in after losing my mom where I could feel so much. I felt so much rage in me that I could be on a walk and feel like I could pick up a bat and just like mm. bash somebody's windows out. Like I was so mad. Yeah. Um, and that's not something that I typically feel. Yeah. I know how to like dance that so out, like, what is put it in my film work, like, you know, take it to the gym. I know how to do all those things, quote unquote. But this, I just was feeling mad. And I had reached out to you and told you that like, I wasn't feeling sad. I wasn't feeling like crying. I was feeling like I wanted to like fight somebody. Like I wanted to, to pick a fight or I wanted to just, you know, burn something. Like I was, I had a mm-hmm. lot of rage in me and you and I had talked and you were really saying that like a lot of that is from kind of like when you lose someone you're kind of like shedding a skin and for me i felt that because i think i had a lot of anger about who i am now that my mom is gone like i don't want to be the person who when i have children i have to explain to them who their grandmother was Mm. because i'm so big on people telling their own stories Mm. and had this whole kind of like Mm. plan about how my kids would interact with my with their grandmother and try to have a different relate an alternative relationship to her that i didn't get to have or like i don't want to be the person that like you know gets married and it's supposed to be the happiest day of your life but like Mm. i have to do like a tribute to my my mom like i i think i just refused and in many ways refuse it's not necessarily past tense i refuse to like accept that person Mm -hmm. and when you and i were talking you were saying that a part of this is like you are shedding a skin and sometimes the anger can come from like the tension where you're trying to get back to who you were before Mm -hmm. you lost that person but that person is also gone Mm -hmm. and you have to embrace who you are now with like who was Chaz with their mother being Mm -hmm. gone and like that whole like concept to me just produced a lot of yeah like a lot of anger because it's just like i'm very like i know who i am Right. And Mm -hmm. I think with this, I did not want to accept who I am now. Just like you said, like a new relationship with your family, it's Mm -hmm. okay to build a new relationship with yourself. And Mm -hmm. I had a therapist say this. um, We were were actually doing a a healing response. um, And she was like, we have to teach people to like tools to like, like live with something that has happened. Because a lot of we think that like, okay, we're going to put it to the back. Like, I'm good. Get back to who you were. Yeah. But she was like, no, like. You're going to still like 35 and nobody wants to hear this, but it's the truth. Like 35 years from now, you're still going to think about it. And for some people, they can still and I, I can like I can still remember the exact emotions and feelings. Like mm-hmm. even though like it's been years, like there was a time where I couldn't even speak about my father without crying. Mm-hmm. But now I can. But I still know exactly what that pain is like. I know if I could like draw it, I, I know exactly what it's like. Mm-hmm. But she was saying that. We have to learn how to like live with it. So it's like it's something that's in our bag. Mm-hmm. We aren't trying to like cover it up and hide it. It's like you're there, you know, and you know, I love you and I respect you for what you've taught me and what you brought me through. And it's gonna take a while to get to be able to speak like that. But um, but yeah, I th- I think just like what you were saying on learning to like Yeah, I mean I appreciate stuff. that because I think tonight's episode with you in this space is definitely like practice to get there. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I just came back from so, yeah, there is there is some joy always on this episode, on this show. I just came back from Hawaii with my niece and, um, you know, she lost her grandmother and I lost my mother. Mm-hmm. And so we definitely just and she also just graduated high school. So shout out to her. Like we really just she needed some she needed a trip. And that's yeah. how I know how to show love. I was like, let's just get on a let's plane. Go get let's water. go. Yeah. And um, there were moments like, you know, being with my mother's grandchild. Right. Mm. There were moments where like, yes, I'm responsible for this 17 year old who is entrusting me to, you know, take her on this trip, et cetera. But there were moments where like, you know, just for a minute or just for five minutes, where I was like, I, 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 yeah, I don't have it. too close. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I, I had to deal with that. And I think that spending that time with her gave me um, a glimpse into what you're saying is the future of mm-hmm. like, my mother is here with me. And I, I receive these feelings right now and I'm not going to hide it or put it, push it down into my beach bag. 
I'm going to find a way to have this really joyful experience with my niece at the beach in Hawaii because, you know, I'm grateful that we have the resources to be able to do that. But I'm also going to, you know, let the tear come out in the bathroom Mm -hmm. or let the tear come out while I'm sitting on the beach and then go in the water and, you know, whatever. So that is like, you know, I think that's just really real because I do feel like I'm not there yet in what you're saying, but I do feel like I'm trying to find ways to practice that, trying to Mm -hmm. find ways to to show up to a social gathering with friends and not feel like I need to fake the funk, right? Um, So yeah, all of that Mm -hmm. is like a part of the healing process that I definitely, um, typically I want to be really productive and get there, but I know that it's something that I cannot. You can't do that. (laughs) No, because if you try, it's going to pull you right back. I know. So as we wrap up this episode, because I know you got a young one at home. Yes. um, Do you want... Do you want to give us um, a little bit of um, ideas or comments or uh, references about resources that folks who are um, dealing with grief or folks who are in need of mental health services, um, who they can reach out to or or who they can connect with in the Richmond area? Yeah, in the Richmond area specifically. So I want to shout out the Richmond Association of Black Social Workers. Um, We have um, a ton of different members who are therapists, counselors who are in that field. Um, I believe the email is like richmondabsw at gmail.com. Um, so, you know, you can definitely go to the website as well. And I'll put it in the comments. Yes. And so we have um, an in-house directory where, you know, we can help connect um, to different, you know, services that folks are looking for. Um, there's also a hotline. And I believe it's 1-800-BLACKLINE. Mm. Um, yes, I believe that's what it is. And so it's a hotline. I called it once to test it out. Um, and it's led by black people. And they center, um, they center uh, black queer folks. And um, basically, this call, there's just a random person. I know some people don't like talking to strangers, but there's just a random person that you can just kind of talk to. Mm-hmm. And it's not an automated. They're just like, hey, mm-hmm. I gave them a fake name just because I didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people appreciate that. There's been times where I've needed to call a hotline. Um, and then, you know, there are the regular, like, national numbers. Um, you may want to add those on to the end because I don't know them off the I'll top. drop them in the comments. Um, but, yeah, yes, yeah, so I would definitely recommend that. Um, and tell yeah. folks how, if you're comfortable, how they can get in touch with you, if they, you know, really connected with something that you said. Or- oh, yes. Um, yeah, so you guys can shoot me an email at Jackie, that's J-A-C-K-I-E dot I-T-S. L-I-G-H-T-W-O-R-K at gmail.com. So that's Jackie.itslightwork at gmail.com. And do you want to give people a little refresher about what you're doing these days? Oh, yes. So aside from my day job, which I don't really want to mention on the podcast. I'll edit that out. Um. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what I am doing is um, I have an initiative called Healing Us that is in deep partnership with the Richmond Association of Black Social Workers. And what we're doing is... um training up community members in different, you know, theories and concepts around um, healing, especially for communities of color. Um, there's, uh, they learn different skills, different knowledge bases. Um, and then that is tied up into um, some healing circles that we are launching um, and trying to launch in the community. So after, um, before and after uh, something traumatic happens, you know, we want to be there. We want to have a community member help facilitate. We want to have a therapist on site just in case, you know, deeper emotions come up. And because we know um, sometimes grief needs to happen in a circle with mm. other people. Like you can't always be by yourself. Amen. So we want to have those um, and just, you know, working with some other institutional partners to stand up a, a trauma healing response. Um, just to, for this, for the reason I just said, you know, we go through stuff and we often try to do it, do it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that is much of what's happening. Jackie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I do want to take like 20 seconds to just say that, um, of course, when you're going through something like this, and again, just to put it clear, grief is a form of trauma. It is awkward and difficult and sometimes just not, you know, at the top of my list to, you know, to send thank you cards or to rem- or to call people back <laughs> or to let people know that I appreciate all that they've done. But I do want to um, shout out everyone that's listening um, that has dropped off a meal, that has supported the funeral costs, that um, called me, that stopped over, that helped with Bazi, that, you know, just, you know, was a friend in this time of um, crisis and, and has dealt with me when I've been awkward or when I've not been able to to 
be the friend that I typically am. I just want to say thank you to everybody that has been there for me. And it definitely has not gone overlooked. And I hope that, well, I hope that no one experiences this. I know that people will experience the loss of a parent. And so I do hope that I'm able to, you know, be as supportive and loving as I've received. And I just want to send a shout out to everybody that was there for me and let you know that I love you and that um, your thoughts and your prayers and your good deeds did not go unnoticed. And I love you all. Um, thank you so much for coming on Black Matter Podcast. Yes, thank you for inviting me. This is Jackie, MSW. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully this won't be your last time on the show. Yeah. We've got I'm lots of other stuff to talk about. There's a lot happening. I know. There's a lot happening in Richmond as always. But um, I know. The city is always shaking. Yeah, special shout out to you. And hopefully everyone that you, that's listening right now, just lean in close to somebody and give them a hug tonight.